This Augusta Golf Show podcast is brought to you by Audi Augusta, online at AudiAugusta.com. Rex Hoggard covers the game for Golf Channel, writes at GolfChannel.com. It's a pleasure to welcome Rex Hoggard back to the Augusta Golf Show. How are you, Rex? Good. How are you? I'm good. Nothing going on at all in the world of golf right now. No, no, not at all. Um... (laughs) seem to get real this week. You know, I, I know the players on tour are saying this lawsuit was expected, but but the reactions I was watching on, on your network Wednesday, there seem to be more than a few players who seem upset. Is, is that a fair thing to say? Uh, no, no. I think the emotions came out. I think that's absolutely fair. I think Dave's love was probably the, the primary one. I mean, I did a hit uh, right after he had been on, and I felt like just that, telling them just to run his interview again, just because... He spoke very eloquently about the situation that golf is in. He spoke very passionately about what's happening in golf, and there was a lot of emotion in that voice. I think for players, they knew this was coming. We always knew this was going to land in the courtroom. We all knew this was going to be resolved with lawsuits, not with meetings, or whatever. however else you thought this might end up being. We, I don't think any of the players had put it in context that I don't know how many players over the last two days have texted me and said, they're not suing the tour, they're suing me. Mm-hmm. I think Davis Love's line was, my friends are now suing me. And it does become very, very personal. And I think it's only going to become more so as this goes further and further into the courts. It, that did seem to be, especially to your point, Davis's point, that, you know, it was one thing when they, they wanted to leave and, and, and take the money. And it was another thing when the money was coming from where the money was coming from. But it does seem now with this suit... Um, it is about disrupting the PGA Tour. It is about changing what the PGA Tour is. And I think, again, that seems to be hitting home with the players. It does. It does. I mean, up until now, I don't want to say it's been theoretical because they've held, Live Golf has held three events. We've had players who have been suspended. Now we know a little bit more of the details. They've been suspended for multiple years. So it has been very real for many of these players. I, I think where the disconnect comes, and I think most players, by and large, early in this process, they looked at the landscape, and they looked at their friends who were considering doing this, and you had to at least have some sort of modicum of understanding of why they were doing it. If you don't understand why Richard Bland went and played for Live Golf, mm-hmm. then you just don't know Richard Bland's story, that he's played his entire career. He's 49 years old, and he's made a grand total, I think, of $2.5 million in that 25-plus years. And he still has a family. He still has a house. He still has all these obligations. And now, suddenly, you have a disruptor, to be fair, but they've stepped in and offered him a guaranteed contract. It was easy for fellow players to wrap their minds around, yeah, I get that. He's a human being. He has, we all have issues. We all have things we have to deal with. It didn't become personal until now, all of a sudden, it's these players who have now turned back around. And the line I hear a lot is, you know, have their cake you need it to. I have no idea where that thing comes from. It doesn't make any sense. I understand the basis of it. But I don't understand exactly where it came from. That's where they're having a problem. There are certain players, I think Dustin Johnson, probably the best example, who went to live golf and was suspended indefinitely and resigned his tour membership. And, and I think in that particular case, most guys could wrap their mind around that. That, okay, you've moved on. Good for you. Enjoy yourself. Fill your boots. In this case, you have players who have moved on. They had to suffer the consequences, which were very, very clear that you were going to be suspended, and now they want back. That's where the problems come up. I do not want to put words in your mouth, but I think this was something Eamon said on air the other day. You know, as you listen to the players, again, on Wednesday, talking about not understanding it. You know, they're confused by the fact that they wanted to play less golf, and now they want to come back, and they may be playing more golf, and so forth and so on. And Eamon kind of laid it out there that 
you know, that was about the nicest way that a player could say that the other player was just flat out lying. Do you think there more players feel that way? Yes. Yes. I mean, it doesn't. You don't have to dissect this too much, and we can get into where the money comes from. Yeah. And people are going to have moral problems with this, and some people are, and some people aren't. And I understand that. Where I think the disconnect is coming is when you have these players saying things like, "I want to play less. I want to spend more time with my family." When absolutely, that's not what you're angling for here. That, that's what you're being told to say, but you don't believe it. You don't mean it. I thought the one that stuck out to me was last week when Henrik Stenson and Paul Casey, who I have enjoyed thoroughly, covered them over the course of my career, but they sat in front of a microphone and talked about how the team aspect of live golf was one of the things that motivated them to jump ship. But in that same breath, you turned your back on the greatest team event, the Ryder Cup, in all of golf, probably in all of sports, I would argue. So there are plenty of things, sort of these disingenuous comments that they keep making because those are the talking points, but of course you see through them. You can't. I understand, and this is probably a foolhardy question. I'm having a hard time getting to the end game of all of this. I can't imagine these live players back on the PGA Tour. Now, I can't imagine them playing in major championships. I can sort of kind of see that. Uh, but I, 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 I don't know how this, this – this isn't the NFL and the AFL. I don't see a merger. I, I don't see how – how do we get to an end game here? Uh, I don't know. In the short term, uh, three of the 11 players who filed lawsuits this week, uh, the lawsuit is, is for antitrust behavior. That's the broader lawsuit. It's going to take decades or years, if not mm-hmm. decades. To square that away. However it is that that's going to be squared away. The more immediate lawsuit had to do with a temporary restraining order. Three of those 11 players are currently qualified for the playoffs, which start next week in Memphis. And those three are seeking an injunction from the courts that would allow them to play. You're going to end up with a situation, I, I, I hate trying to predict what the courts are going to do, sure. but I can imagine the courts granting this, because the way it's been described to me, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. That they would much rather err on the side of the player and allow them to play and then see the way this lawsuit's going to play out. You end up with a situation where those players are getting what they probably wanted to begin with. I don't know if that's the end game, but it's certainly something to consider. On the other end of the spectrum, Rex, can you envision a world where four or five years from now, people are in, people want to watch the Live series, that they're engaged by that? I don't know, you know whether it's over broadcast television or streaming or whatever it might be, but I'm even having a hard time envisioning that three, four years from now. Uh, I don't know. I, I, because if you'd asked me three or four months ago, I wouldn't have imagined you ended up here. So it's almost impossible for me to imagine where we're going to end up three or four years from now. I'll say this, and this is just echoing what Roy McElroy said at the Irish Open. If you, or, I'm sorry, at uh, J.P. McManus's Pro-Am in Ireland. And I do believe that everyone involved, that's Live Golf, that's the PGA Tour, that's the major championships, that's the official World Golf Rankings, they, need to, they all need to sit down in a room and dial down the vitriol, dial down the rhetoric, and they have to come up with a way to coexist. Because as it stands now, it's clear that Live Golf is not going anywhere. I'm not smart enough to pretend to know what that looks like, yeah. but they're going to have to figure out a way. Again, I'm, I'm going to ask you more crystal ball stuff. Do you, and, and this has come up in the last week to 10 days, do you see Live Golf making inroads with the LPGA? Yes. I mean, they already have. I mean, it's, it's disguised now behind the Aramco series, but we know where the Aramco money comes from, and we know where the Live Golf money is coming from. It's coming from the same source. It's the Saudi Public Investment Fund. And, again, we can have a long conversation about that. And I'm, again, not smart enough to pretend to know all, the, all of 
the politics, geopolitics behind that. However, I would say that Live Golf, to a certain degree, has already made inroads in the LPGA Tour, and I can imagine a world in the not-so-distant future where you actually have concurrent events. You have a women's Live Golf event and a men's Live Golf event the same week, the same days. And they would go early in the morning and then the men late in the afternoon. Imagine that scenario. He is Rex Hoggard, uh, covers the game for Golf Channel, writes for GolfChannel.com. Um, I know there's a lot going on. I know you're slammed, so I deeply appreciate you taking the time to do this, Rex. Thank you for this. Of course, anytime.